dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for coming on back for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. My next guest is is the CEO of a new company working on building an integrated portfolio of cannabis retail dispensaries, cultivation offering iconic, inspiring, and an unsurpassed retail experience. So I'm here with Brian Baca. He is iconic or iconic? Iconic Farms. Iconic Farms. Just going to a different uh, spelling. It's I-K-A, little, two little dots on top, a yeah, uh, little accent, N-I-K Farms Incorporated. So, Brian, thanks for joining us here on Bump Business. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Hey, my pleasure. I know we were just uh, getting into the mix, and there's a lot of things that's been talked about you. I know you've been doing quite a bit of the media circuit, so let's bring up some of the things that have been talked about within the press. Puff Puff Post, which I haven't heard about that publication yet. I haven't had the pleasure to yet, but it's interesting. Uh, they profiled you and mentioned that Iconic is based on a business ethos rooted firmly in family, community, and inclusion, and that's what sets the brand apart from the competition. Now, What's being quoted from you in this piece is says that Iconic Farms is really about redefining the heart of the human connection. We're breaking down walls and paradigms through the second repeal of prohibition. We're really about inclusion. People are trying to market, and that's quote, end quote, people are trying to market and make their things all very inclusive and very polarized. We're trying to show what cannabis is all about from a cannabis operator and historical cultural, historical cultural standpoint, which is inclusion family extension, and really putting your arms around the people that don't know cannabis yet. We're making it less scary by bringing it to them, not from the standpoint of corporate America trying to find an avenue in which to deliver their product, but by truly delivering California cannabis culture to the people so they understand what it's truly about. So how much does the current state of society and culture play a constant factor in the direction of your brand? And if so, why, Brian? Well, I think our brand is, is stands alone and it represents who we are in the company ethos. So the market is going to change and, and it, you know, may play into our favor, may play against us, but who we are remains. And that's, that's where you get your core of authenticity with, with our brand. And, um, and the market is, is now becoming more educated and, and more um, knowledgeable within the space. So they're looking more for, um, you know, a deeper connection to a brand and quality products. And that's what we're trying to bring to them. Now, it behooves us, uh, going on with the same story from Puff Puff Post, they said also, quote, it behooves us to stay very focused on our core expertise, which is premium quality crop flour, as well as premium quality extracts and concentrates using butane extraction. We don't use CO2. You can really, really enjoy the true cannabis terpenes the way it was intended to be consumed in the first place. There's nothing filtered out and therefore nothing that needs to be added back in. It gives you honest cannabis the way it was supposed to be from the beginning, offering flour, pens, shatter batter, and butters as our core offering sample. It's our craft offering suite, if you will. Now, I had another guest from California that has spoken about how their firm controlled the entire infrastructure, from the genetics to the cultivation to the nutrients. And they've been growers I've talked about here on the show because we talk a lot about California. There's a lot of cultivators and growers out there that have applied measures based on the region they are located at, whether it be Napa Valley, Humboldt County, and then Mendocino County, where you're located. Now, 
talk to me about the idea of honest cannabis and how it differs from the different <clears throat> methods other California growers apply. Well, what I, I think I need to clarify on that is honest cannabis is not that other people are doing it dishonestly, but honest cannabis, <laughs> cannabis from uh, a sense of delivery and like a farm to table equivalent, right? We want it, we're consumer driven product developers. So at the end of the day, we want to consume and sell people things that we would, we would in turn like to consume ourselves. So when we're looking to develop a product or put something in and bring it to the marketplace, it's going to be based on things that we as consumers, heavy consumers are going to be interested in, in taking part ourselves. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we're, we're doing BHO extracts and, and, and from that, you're getting a true profile when you're consuming the product, right? And that's really what we're looking for is to enjoy it. Whatever way, whether it be flour or through concentrate and pen, uh, however a person wants to consume it and enjoy it, it's, it's as flavorful and robust as we can make it, um, obviously from its natural form. And, and we deliver it to you. You know, a lot of it, it comes into the way it's cultivated. Just like you said, it's vertical control. Uh, we do and are implementing that across the board from micropropagation all the way through cultivation, you know, our manufacturing process and finished product um, assembly all the way through distribution. So in controlling that, you do control the whole supply chain and you do know what's going on with your product uh, finished in bulk at, at all every step of the way. So that's, that's really what we're looking to do. And, and when I'm saying we're delivering it honestly, meaning a lot of people are out and in the market, you know, you're seeing a lot of things out there lately about, you know, pens and uh, problems with pens. Well, you know, when you have a, a shatter pen or a saucepan, uh, you're not going to have that problem because you're not adding any cut or anything to it in order to make yourself more profitable. And it's a competitive marketplace. However, when you're, we don't add any non, non-cannabis terpenes to the product, right? Because it gives it a perfumey taste. There's a lot of other things that come along with it that me as a, a longtime consumer am not really looking for. You know, we're looking for something that is a quality uh, consumption. You can taste the profile, the true profile on your palate. Um, and, and at the end of it, you know, you're not getting pepper sprayed in the back of your throat. And I think that's something that a lot of people are realizing. Uh, you know, you're choking yourself to death. And that's not a, a regular thing that uh, happens through, you know, pen, you know, a soft pen consumption typically. And so as a consumer, and if you're consuming regularly, you don't want to be choking to death for most of your life during the day or in the evenings. And, um, and with that being said, that's why we position it as to it being pure and honest, meaning we're, we understand it's a competitive market. We understand that there's some margin that's going to be given up. However, we have a commitment to quality to the end consumer as well as to ourselves is to be able to produce something that we're proud of. And a lot of culture guys will be able to relate to this, right? At the end of harvest, you're really proud of what you took down and all the work that went into it in order to get that finished product. And you want to share it with people, right? And that is really where we start talking about the cannabis community is, is really about connection and reaching out and sharing this experience and what people have put their heart and soul to just like other people with vegetables or anything else that's analogous to a natural organic cultivation cycle. You know, when you get a good crop and you're, and you're proud of it, you want to share it. And, and that goes with cannabis, right? We want to bring people in and make them understand what cannabis is about. It's not, it's not something that they were, you know, that was alluded to for a long time via misinformation. Uh, this is something about, this is about family. This is about sitting on a porch with your best friend or whoever after a long day of work, instead of sharing a beer or something, you're sharing a joint and you're talking about things, but you're connecting. And that's really 
what it's about. And in a world where we're always in front of our phones and so polarized and, and not connecting, we're connecting through social media, but not face to face. I'm really behind the, the fact that we're redefining the art of the human connection because we're taking something that is currently socially, you know, on the razor's edge, if you will, of, of coming back into acceptance. However, it's not all the way there yet. And we're using that as a catalyst to spark up conversation, to, to change the way the paradigm and cannabis is perceived because the bulk of the population are not cannabis consumers at this time. So what we want to do is be able to connect to people so that they first understand the principle of cannabis and it's reaching across the table. It's not, you know, it, it's not something that's very distant. It's, it's about being there and being present in that moment and sharing an experience with that person. And so at the end of the day, when we're trying to get a result, that result is let's, let's convey cannabis and what it's all about, how we know it. And what that is, is it's connection. Put your phone down, hang out with your friends, connect with, you know, let's say it's a family member or whoever, but it gives you that moment to engage and, 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 you know, however you choose to consume, you know, there's a talking point, a catalyst and, and there's other things going on than the digital screen that's in front of us. And that's really where our, our connection point is. A whole lot of talk about when it comes to California and this, this, what I would say is the cultivation culture of cannabis in California. I want to talk more about that and elaborate then a little bit more. So let's go and talk more about that coming up after the break. I'm here with Brian Baca, the CEO of Iconic Farms. That's spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. We'll talk more with Brian about that in just a moment. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry plant profits only on cannabisradio.com the national cannabis industry association's third annual california cannabis business conference takes place october 8th and 9th in long beach california register today at california cannabis business conference.com and take part in the only industry trade show focusing solely on the California market hosted by the Cannabis Industry's only national trade association. 
NCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference brings together thousands of cannabis industry leaders, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to discuss California-specific regulations, market trends, policy, advocacy, and research. The California Cannabis Business Conference will also feature over 60,000 square feet of expo floor, showcasing over 200 exhibits. Make your plans now for NCIA's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference, October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. That's CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Brian Baca, the CEO of Iconic Farms here on Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. There's so much going on when it comes to what you're doing at Iconic. And in regards to expansion and the traditional MSO approach, going back to the story from Puff Puff Post, which gave us so much to go ahead and talk about here, they also mentioned a, a quote that you said here that you said, quote, when we look at cannabis becoming a global emerging commoditized market in the future, we actually took a step back as opposed to taking a traditional MSO approach, which everyone else has done. And I think it's very overworked. We really need to look at what the big picture is. And the big picture is if you really want to be a player, it's about global positioning. You can't really complete, uh, compete unless you have equal footing. On the program, we've talked about a lot about import-export and also a lot of expansion. Just actually talked about uh, some to a previous guest about getting medical research and development and putting it into South Africa. So talk to me what you've been doing now, because if I try to read these reports from MarketWatch and Yahoo and all this, I can't understand it. But you've been doing a lot of work of outside of North America into South America and Europe. So talk to me what you've been doing so far. Absolutely. No problem. What we've been doing is, you know, as you start looking at a crowded market space and a lot of hype growing around different buzzwords and talking points, you want to take a step back and make sure that there's not too much Kool-Aid being served up. And uh, a lot of people are buying buying into over premiums, uh, paying for licenses. You know, those are one-time sunk costs. And you're going into a fragmented marketplace, you know, through municipal openings. It's not a federal legalized product at this point. And it's not just a state level that we have issues. It's as you work through the municipalities as an individual, uh, look at an individual localized level. And so as people are going in, you know, you're, you're trying to get market footing, but in penetration, however, there was a significant amount of dollars being spent on licenses and, and, and capital being deployed. And, and for us, and, and the way we kind of were looking at things is, you know, that's, that's always a short lived, the premium market is always a short-lived market and many times doesn't support a long-term business initiative um, as a return on investment in protecting investors' dollars, right, uh, while preserving and increasing shareholder value. So what we wanted to do is we took a step back and paused as opposed to forcing things that weren't happening and applying our capital towards uh, premiums for licenses uh, to operate. Well, so we, we filed our licenses as everyone else did and got in line. And, and have been competing naturally. However, realize that, you know, as this municipal string out is happening across California and many other states, um, we needed to look at something more viable in order to position ourselves for the long term. And brand solidification in any market wasn't going to happen the way the current state of the market is. And our capital could be best spent repositioning the company 
um, and just accelerating our global initiatives and moving them to the front burner so we can get our foothold, so to speak, and grow into our shoes. So what we did is we took a step back and realized where the long-term uh, commodity type play is going to be located. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, determined that Columbia would be probably a really good location for us. And uh, so we started exploring uh, Columbia for opportunities all over the place. And uh, we discovered some things in which we're going to have uh, some future press releases on uh, with the company. And we can discuss that uh, at a later date. However, um, we have commenced uh, a business agreement and are finalizing uh, some things to position ourselves in Colombia uh, with indoor cultivation uh, under GMP compliance, as well as scalability for long-term growth. Uh, we have about 3,200 acres. Uh, if you want to convert that over, that's about 1,200 plus hectares um, in metric measurements is what we have available for long-term scalability in order to provide supply of finished ingredient into the European marketplace. Uh, the positioning for that uh, was deliberate due to the fact that it's, it's opened on a much different basis. So we're able to reach a broader market and support it from a different standpoint because our, our premise and our, our basis for the company is health and wellness as well. And, and so this basis is for medicinal supply into the European marketplace. Obviously we're looking for the right pharmaceutical type partner who's looking for qualified finished ingredient supply for them to make uh, cannabis based, you know, uh, uh, finished finished products uh, for their marketplace. And we're looking to enter that in because from a brand standpoint, we're gonna be able to reach a significant more people and, and solidify ourselves as a global player while we're continually opening up the doors as quickly as we can as cost effectively as possible here domestically in the US. And at the end of the day, you know, historically, I was a banker for many years. You know, what you want to do is mitigate as much risk as possible and off burden uh, concentrated liability in any one department. So, what we've done is we've repositioned it uh, from a global standpoint to number one, you'd take it from more of a macro level and recession proof the company. Uh, so, you're not, you're not localizing to any one market or any one large consumer. You're broad enough and you cover enough ground that you give yourself some, some strong footing because the people that are in the market producing in these super expensive locations, uh, as this market matures and starts to come out and becomes unfragmented and it becomes stable and brands can position and things are gonna happen, uh, there's a lot of things that are gonna come. First of all, there's a big SG&A overhang on the first round of capital deployment into the Canadian marketplace, which I see has come into California and it's leaving um, there's going to be, I feel in the future, a lot of non-performing assets. It's going to be just like any other boom bust market. And so as we came into the market, we didn't want to participate in any booming type asset acquisitions. And therefore we were really selective and grew a little bit slower, but we're really careful on the assets in which we selected. So we took down normalized assets within the United States so we could allocate those dollars appropriately. Um, facilities such as with normalized rents, you know, we're, did one in Adelanto and it finalized and uh, we just did a press release on it. It's as, as built, finished, completed uh, is 38 cents a foot. And you know, you're looking at normalized type warehouse, big box financing because in cannabis, as most people know from a financial standpoint, you know, the taxes and everything else are stacked against you as is premiums on everything in touch. There's a weed tax on it. So what we try to do is mitigate the risk and make those dollars go further for longer. In, in conservatively positioning ourselves 
making the right moves at the right times and we feel that we can deploy the capital most efficiently and effectively to generate a longer term value proposition that's not getting absorbed by the Kool-Aid that's being passed around on premiums that many people are paying in this current market. And so I think by doing that and, and looking at it as a traditional business, not as in the business it is today, but as a normalized, stable business as it's going to be in the future. And how would we look at this business five years from now? Do these rents still make sense? Does this position still make sense? Logistically, are we placed correctly? And how are we going to better serve a broader market more efficiently uh, and effectively? Now, I, I got, I'm sorry, Brian. I had to do this. But you quickly glossed over the background that you were in business and trading and finance. And I'm like, there's a whole lot to be said about that. I'm looking right now at your LinkedIn. My God, you've done a lot. So you worked back in 2001 working in trading, and then you worked for U.S. Bank, assistant vice president up to vice president. And my God, I didn't realize how much you went into. But, you know, when I was thinking about mitigating risk, you just made me think about the fact that when I tried to initially (laughs) invest in a cannabis ETF and that failed miserably, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to mitigate my risk in stocks. I'm just going to put it in precious metals and bonds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> because I can't. I look at the oh, the last couple of days, eight hundred points down, five hundred points down. It's like, whatever it is, it's everybody's just you really just messing with that. I'm just going to go to precious metals and bonds. It's the safer bet for me. And I hope at some point I can go and invest in cannabis because then I'd come back to you for the help on this. Because I'm sure you can give me some good idea of where to go. Now, oh, I sure try. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this now. Well, it's integrity, which goes into my next right. question. Let me put Absolutely. it like this. You said this, quote, we're coming from a historically non-regulated, non-recourse environment of which your word is your bond and your handshake is your word. A lot of what you're seeing in the market today is some of the big giants just striking out the payments on some of the smaller guys. It's killing them. We don't believe in doing that. The fundamental basis of how we built iconic farms is in our business historically how to best <coughs> honor the idea of the handshake deal. Showing up when you say you're going to show up commitment consistency that's how you create business be in a regulated or unregulated market i'm paraphrasing now brian for for any of you in blunt business if i'm going to talk about california repeat after me we're going to talk about the black market i've referenced (laughs) many times to just about every guest from california about a new york times article from april titled getting worse not better a legal pop market booming in california despite legalization let me put this quote into play Quote, the state's illicit cannabis exports appear to be increasing even now. And this is according to uh, into California's second year of legalization. New Frontier data, they reported that the, the high demand and growing techniques in the California cannabis market will contribute to approximately half a million pounds more illicit cannabis this year compared to 2018. What's your reaction to these illicit operations who are not honoring the industry, just like you said? Well, I think, I think fundamentally, um, it's a fundamental issue and a systemic issue that we have to work through right now. Um, I can't really attest to the amount of weight that's going to be produced in, uh, in this year and forecasted for the black market. But I can tell you, if you're going to try to build uh, an emerging market, you're going to need to go ahead and give it some assistance, which means we need access to capital. You do need banking. Everything that's going on uh, with the banking bill, it, it's been, it's long overdue. So if you want to make a market legal and most people pay with plastic or some sort of digital currency, what better way to track it than get it through a banking institution? 
and you're talking to a former banker. So for me, you know, you start talking about cash business, those become very difficult deals. You know, you're, it's, it's very intangible um, of, of what's going on. So if you want to legitimize the business, you give it, you give it financial infrastructure and the reliance upon that. And so what, you know, what you see happening, well, also there's a, a tax framework that is, it's far out of whack and needs to come into parity uh, because you can always ratchet it up once you give something legs, just like a new business. And businesses out in the market right now, you know, if we're speaking plainly, they need to build their legs, right? You know, these guys yeah. in the big businesses out there, I don't feel that they're trying to kill the small guys, you know, and as, as many would think, you know, there's some sort of uh, disparity in the market against these big business guys. And, you know, I've met and talked with, with a few of them and they're, and they're cool guys, they're great people. And at the end of the day, you know, they've hired on a lot of people. They're traditional business guys. They expect to accelerate a business and deliver financial results quickly. Unfortunately, the municipal and government framework isn't exactly working with the speed in which people are trying to accelerate their business growth. And what's happening is it's handicapping people and it's creating an, an extreme amount of cash burn that is, that's burdening these businesses and these people are trying to stay alive. And so I don't feel that it's a dishonest thing. I, I don't feel that it's right. I understand the things that are happening. Um, and, and when you look at an unregulated market, um, and, and that's another thing that's creating competition, um, you look at the, the overburdening of taxes, our inability to write off things on, on, on your taxes, take your normalized deductions. Um, it puts it in a very hard place to compete with a market that was very healthy before, unless like I said, you get par with your footing. And so, you know, instead of sending, you know, strike SWAT teams and everything out there, you know, if you reappropriate the taxes, you give financial access, you give abilities like that and allow a market to emerge naturally, you're going to see a much faster escalation into stability in a normalized marketplace than you are with the way that it's being rolled out today, in my personal opinion, because people are going to be able to grow. They're going to be able to grow effectively. You're going to be able to track all of their transactions. And with normal taxes, they can effectively, people can afford to buy more cannabis, right? Their dollar goes further. Yeah. And, and so with everything that's going on, um, yeah, I feel that, that, you know, the black market is probably going to be there. I don't really take a position on, on the black market. Um, but I'm just saying it, it will continue to exist unless there's a legal way to effectively and competitively compete and put it out of business and it will naturally go to the wayside. And yeah, it may take a little bit of time, but you can effectively kill it quicker if you're able to legitimize, you know, the primary functions behind business operations, which is, you know, you give it, you give it access to financial uh, institutions, you trace all and you have tracking on all of their, their transactions. Because let's face it, a bulk of people pay with, with plastic. They're not really paying with cash. And so you're making it easier for the consumer. They can adopt it a little easier and it's no longer illegal. And that also helps take a little bit of the fear out of it because let's face it with the bulk of the population who's a non-consumer, there's still some hesitancy to walk into dispensaries uh, and go in there and buy your first, you know, have your first cannabis experience. And, and uh, when you continue to legitimize something, it continues to take, you know, the fear and or the overhanging boogeyman out of it. And it becomes more natural and more normalized and becomes more of our normal environment. I want to bring up a couple of things. You brought up some great points right there, Brian. And I want to go ahead and follow up on that. 
There's a lot of, and I'm going to get on the soapbox for a second, so please bear with me just a couple minutes. There's a lot of varying factors in California that it is out of the control of a grower or or a person that runs a, a company like yours because of the fact that you mentioned the point of those that are coming into the space from corporate ties, and this is not even talking about once legalization comes into play across the country, and the extent that the corporations are going to come in, they're already looking to make their way in the first place. What are they going to do to start putting in their old tactics? Oh, we're going to do the same thing we did, just a new industry. That's all there is to it. Their shareholders will also have a say, and they're not going to have an understanding of what's going on here. They just see bottom lines and what can we do to increase profit year after year, month after month, quarter after quarter. Gavin Newsom, the California state legislation in the government, listen, I mean, Gavin Newsom wants more money in the taxes. He's not happy with the amount of taxes coming in. They're going to find ways to take care of that. They're not doing, they're trying to put an effort, and they're not saying they're not. The Bureau of Cannabis Control, law enforcement is trying to go and crack down the illicit market. They're trying to get the listings of, of those businesses off the map, trying to get more awareness out there. I see all that work being done. That's really great. But there's certain things that do need to happen. And this is where it becomes, for California, such a big market. We have to have some things happening. One of those things is safe banking needs to come into play. Now, I have not talked about safe banking, the fact that it did pass the House uh, over a week ago as I record this show, uh, October 4th. I've not talked about it. I've been asked by a bunch of different people to come on this show and talk about it. And I've been asked by people to go and bring it up on the show. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I want full passage. But I don't want to talk about a half win. I want a full win right here. Everybody else can go ahead and talk about it. But on this show, I want results. And I hope to offer chances for people like yourself to come in and offer results. And or if not results, at least put the perspective in play and let people understand that we have to have control of what's going on here. This is still the Wild West days for this cannabis industry. What needs to happen is everybody needs to be aware. They need to be like a neighborhood watch and be holding everybody else accountable. If it can't be done in Washington, then the cannabis industry should be able to regulate itself and make sure that the corporate culture does not infiltrate and hurt the smaller guys, just like you said. That Congress gets their things together and makes things happen. And at the state of California, they get the right input and they do the right thing by the industry to help this out because they know how much more money could be coming in, but they could do things the right way and the right amount of money will come in and help support everybody in the long run. What do you think? I think I think it's accurate. I think um, from a tax standpoint, you know, some of the times if it's cost prohibitive and the barriers of entry are too high, you're, and first of all, it's an untested, it's untested tax that it, it would be successful. You know, just like anything else in finance, if you're going to implement some sort of strategy or some sort of way uh, to create revenue, you're going to need to run some sort of modeling on it, right? And these are all pseudo modeling. Um, taxes are easier to raise. And I think the, that starting from such a high point uh, creates somewhat of a disadvantage, right? In, in order to penetrate this market, because you've got a lot of preclusions that come in. You've got personal and social preclusions. You've got cost to entry of a person that may not want to come in and spend, you know, additional dollars on taxes, you know, on a, on a higher price product. And at the end of the day, if cannabis is more accessible, you're going to sell more of it. You'll generate more revenue through volume and through that volume, you'll satisfy your taxes and the initiatives you're trying to achieve. But you got to grow into it. You got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to 
criticize any any uh, certain individual on anything or anything around oh, the no. taxes per se. However, I feel that we as a macro you know, group and community need to look at this as a fiscal as well as a fiduciary responsibility, you know, from, from local legislation to go ahead and, and support these kinds of initiatives because, you know, these are the businesses that are also paying taxes into these communities right now. And they're currently, uh, a lot of them are struggling, um, you know, and they'd like to penetrate deeper into the market. And I think taxes are a big, are a big handicap that weigh on this market currently, whether people will outwardly say it or not. I mean, if you look at it, the bottom line is it's a, it's a hard cost and, you know, allowing the us cannabis operators to have a run a normalized business from tax deduction standpoint, you'll get a more normal business operation. You'll get it stabilizing quicker and you'll recognize longer term revenue as this is repositioned. And I think if you look at this right now and it's a, it's a real simple parable there to me, it's, it's the golden goose parable. The problem is, yeah. You're reaching in for all the golden eggs right now, as opposed to just waiting and taking your golden egg every day as it comes out. Just hang back, dial your taxes back, and you will be paid dividends over time. Preaching the gospel. That, that's exactly how it should be. And, I mean, there's only so many factors you can control yourself, but for the good, I like what you're saying, and I, I, I definitely i think we're in, in on the same page here when it comes to where we need to see things happen california is such a volatile market because if this state of california gets it done right legalization across the board can be done exceptionally and i think that's what's going to be helpful because i want I, I mean we're we're here in the business early on you've been around here for a long time we're, we've been here on the cannabis radio coming up on five years and for me i i'm, I'm i just see more and more I want the industry to thrive in, a, in the proper way, and it's, a, it's so many battles to fight. It's 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 really it's it's like a war against everybody else for this industry to to really thrive as it should be, and there's still time for it. And just there, there's so many things that can be done correctly to be, and the proactivity is important to everybody out there. That's just where I'm going to come across. I'm going to get my soapbox, give everybody a chance to go ahead and take a second to go ahead and recollect and i want to go and talk more about uh conic and some work you're doing now in california a new base camp i'm going to talk about that in just a moment stay with us rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business fortunate to have michael brewer of brewer and shipley your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point Download 
wouldn't play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. I'm here with Brian Baca, CEO of Iconic Farms, uh, banking, finance, cultivation, management extraordinaire. Thanks again for making time to join us. Uh, now, we're going to talk about a base camp, and I'm not talking about the, ca- the management software out there, which is good, but we're not talking about that. Now, you've re- recently received all necessary licenses required to begin construction of a cannabis camp in Adelanto, California. Now, that's almost like Adelante, like forward in Spanish. This base camp will significantly enhance Iconic's ability to serve key verticals such as cultivation, extraction, distribution, and California's multi-billion dollar legal cannabis market. Now, you're expected to complete phase one of base camp's construction by January 2020, according to this report I came from. Talk to me about this base camp project and what kind of production do you hope to accomplish? What numbers can you give us? What kind of anticipation can we expect? So base camp is, is our, and the reason we call it base camp is because it's our first location in Southern California that we're going to house and it's, and it's a cannabis camp, right? So we're going to, it's a fully vertically integrated location where we contain cultivation. Well, let's start at the beginning. We have micropropagation, cultivation, uh, you know, production, manufacturing, as well as distribution. And it's centralized on that location for efficiency uh, and effectiveness and delivering it to the market. So we're going to be initiating operations over there, uh, expanding on the, the, the structure a little bit to give it a little bit more square footage. Uh, but as of now, we're going to take our 22,000 square foot permit and implement that along with a volatile extraction uh, license that was just issued this last week. And we're going to go ahead and do what we do and go in there and produce cannabis. Um, and it's craft flour. We actually, we do crop flour, but we crop craft flour. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to deliver that to the marketplace as well as, you know, full, full um, concentrate, you know, concentrate sweet offering that we're going to be bringing to the market as well. That, that's intended to put off uh, upwards of 8,000 pounds a year. And, um, you know, the forecast that we're giving on that is it's also going to house the manufacturing to go ahead and reduce expenses. Everything is consolidated under one location as well as distribution. So we can handle everything under one roof and it's going to give us access to, you know, we're not far from the 15 freeway. So we've got great distribution access. We've got good tax 
taxes uh, in Adelanto that really support what we're doing and the, you know, the cannabis industry. Uh, so I felt that it was a great location as, as we're moving forward to go ahead and, and start this as our SoCal base camp for production. So Iconic Farms, the website is IK, uh, IKANIKFarms.com. You can go look on the website there. Uh, talk about the shop. They've got apparel. got cannabis that's coming soon, a cannabis line. Yeah, I got to see you have a location coming up in Palm Springs, uh, California. Uh, give me a little bit of insight of what's going on with the new cannabis line. Uh, give us a little insight of what you can, what, what uh, consumers can go ahead and expect to get a chance to try out. Give us a little insight on it. Yeah, so we're rolling out a full cannabis suite that's intended to hit the market in the first quarter of 2020 as we finish operations and, or finish construction and commence operations uh, towards the latter part of this year. And uh, we're targeting a, uh, a first, first rollout of iconic products in Q1 of 2020. Um, from that, you're going to see the full spectrum and offering suite, which is flour. You know, we'll do our sugar shatters, batters, butters, uh, pens, you know, saucepans or shatter sticks. And at the end of the day, we're going to be rolling out also a complimentary brand that supports our, our line that really embodies the ethos of the company and what it's all about. And it, and it really supports, you know, get outside and enjoy the high, right? It's, it's about participating in outdoors. So it's an action sports supported outdoors health and wellness uh, brand that essentially wants people to get outside and enjoy things and experience life. And we're bringing that with our, our gear that's going to be dropping. Uh, it's already there. We're, we're bringing out uh, for holiday. We're going to have a new line that's coming out. It's going to be really cool. Um, a lot of flannels, active gear, things to keep you warm. Um, some tech some tech pieces um, that we're going to roll out. But we have a full design team. Um, and we have a, a full team from the action sports industry uh, that obviously uh, is part of our culture uh, since we were very young. And I've known a lot of these guys that are on the team building out the brand and you know we go back to our team so it's it's all very natural what we're putting together and what we're bringing out we're we're going to be bringing people you know authentic california cannabis the way that we know it and and part of that is supporting a healthy wellness type of lifestyle that's that's outside and experiencing things and and the clothing line supports that fantastic so again brian i <clears throat> wow i didn't <laughs> i uh I was very surprised about how much we got so much into the conversation here, um, especially when it comes to California. Just, I think we put a lot of awareness out there, and I think um, I really appreciate all the insight you gave to us. And hopefully, keep us in, really keep in touch with us about the base camp, what goes on next, the cannabis line when it comes back up. Let's keep in touch for 2020. Uh, hopefully, knock on wood, things go well after the holidays, and you know, best of you and yours. Let's keep in touch. Let's hopefully uh, see about having you come on back sometime next year. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You guys have a great one. You too. Brian Bach, again, CEO of Iconic Farms. That's spelled I-K-A-N-I-K, and just add farms.com. That's where the website is. You can take a look and learn more about what they're doing. And again, everything's coming up first quarter 2020. Look out for it there, California. Thank you for joining us here on Bump Business, everyone. You can download past episodes of Bump Business by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spot- Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.